Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is episode three. We actually filmed this episode about two weeks ago now on the live stream on my YouTube channel, and I thought people listening to the podcast might want to hear this too. Samantha LeBlanc is a local hardcore athlete who recently attempted an FKT on the Mid-State Trail here in Massachusetts. She was successful in her attempt, and she covered about 100 miles in 12,000 feet of elevation gain in a single effort. Quite an amazing feat, especially for me because I know this trail very well because I also ran it uh, at the Mid-State Massive 100 miler, but that was a crude race with aid stations and all kinds of people helping me out, and Samantha did it all by herself unsupported. This was a really great conversation I had with Samantha, and I'm excited to share it with you. So buckle up and let's get into it. Hello, Sam. How are you? I'm good. You're good. tired, but good. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Um, so for the listeners out there who are just my demographic, my viewers may not know what, what an FKT is. Can you can you spell out what an FKT is for everybody? Um, so an FKT is a fastest known time. Um, so that is the fastest that someone has done a particular route, um, whether it's trail, road, um, running, um, or hiking. Um, but it's the fastest known time that somebody has done it. So somebody could have done it faster, <laughs> but it's the fastest time that is known. <laughs> right. Okay. And so in the fastest known times, we've got three buckets, right? We've got unsupported, uh, self-supported, and then uh, supported with a crew or pacers or whatever. So self-supported and unsupported to a lot of people may sound pretty similar. And so self-supported means you uh, either drop stuff for yourself or you bought them in a store. And then unsupported is what you did when you just said, uh, screw it. I'm just going to see how long I can last with what's in my backpack, right? That is totally insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Props to yeah. you. That's That's such a, like, I know the course so well. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, in my delusional state from that race that I can't like the thing that pops into my, my, my head as a challenge right off the bat that I really wanted to ask you about is uh water. Like there's no real, like, I'm sure there's water if you're looking for it, but like, there's not like a clear, I can't remember a time other than like the dam area where there's a ton of water, but like, mm -hmm. I can't remember a time in that first, you know, that first 50 isn't that wet or there's not a lot of whole lot of stream crossings or anything. So can you share a little bit of how you did that? Did you plan it out like on a map in advance or did you just kind of wing it? So I, I, I have a friend um, who is very well known in the FKT world. Her name is Arlette Lane. I think that's how you say her last name, Lane or yeah. Lan. Um, she she's done the, a uh, lot of, she does a little she's puppets, done a really right? cool thing. Yeah, she is little puppets. She has the FKT for unsupported deertisma. Um, she's hiked a ton of other long trails and stuff. And she recently did the Mid-State Trail. And so I messaged her so long ago. I think it was like April. And was like, hey, I'm kind of thinking of doing the Mid-State Trail. Um, is there a lot of water? And so she hooked me up with this spreadsheet that some other hiker had created that um, had every like significant point along the way with wow. mileage markers and water. Um, and it's funny is a lot of the water stops were just streams. So okay. it's like, the, so like if you're going up and over Wachusett, there's a trail that has like these little tiny 
streams along the way. And those were like every single one of them was on that spreadsheet. So looking at that spreadsheet, there's a ton of water on that trail. Funny and like you never know really what you're getting into mm-hmm. when you I, and take a I sip definitely of that. I definitely tried to if I got to a pond, um, look around and see if any of the water is moving. And luckily we had a ton of rain, I think that Tuesday or Wednesday. So the water looked a little bit fresher. It didn't smell terrible. And if there was any sort of moving water, I would go to like the side of the pond where the water was actually flowing. Uh, but that was kind of at the beginning. Towards the end, I was like, oh, this water that's like a couple of inches off the ground. Sure, I'll just scoop it up and drink it. I'll survive. <laughs> delicious. <laughs> delicious. <laughs> that's funny. Um, so, like, I'm just really curious about, we'll get into a lot of, like, the mental and physical part of it. But, like, I'm really mm-hmm. curious what you packed for this. Like, what kind of food did you really, did you go with? Because you self-supported means you're carrying that right out of the gate all the way to the end, right? Mm-hmm. So what did you, what yeah. was your like go-to for food? Um, so during, I've been two other hundred milers um, that were races. And for both of those, I actually primarily ate gels anyways. Um, I think my first hundred miler, I only had gels. So I had one gel every 30 minutes for about 24 hours. <laughs> so I'm kind of already used to doing a lot of gels. So that fact like made it a little bit easier with this because I think trying to fit a bunch of solid food in my pack, it would have just would have gotten squished and dank by the end of it. Um, The only thing that was a little bit trickier with this is when I'm racing, I'm used to drinking um, like either Tailwind or I drink a lot of Coke uh, during races. And with those filtered bottles, I couldn't put anything in my water because it would just get filtered out. Oh, um, yeah. So, so I had to account for um, the lack of caffeine and calories that I usually take in fluids. Um, so I started training with spring energy gels, which have like 250 calories per serving versus like goo gels or something that are 100. Um, and then I also, instead of doing like a hundred calories every 30 minutes, I was doing like 250 calories every 45 minutes. So I just started doing that on all my training runs, um, and got used to that. So for food, I primarily packed spring energy gels, goo gels, puma gels. (laughs) Um, I packed, I did do some. The trail butter, um, which I I trained with as well. Um, And then I packed a couple untapped waffles, and that was it. (laughs) Wow. So mainly gels, huh? You didn't do a lot of real food? Yeah. Wow. Nope. My stomach stomach would not not tolerate that. (laughs) Good for you. Um, So, like, in terms of other stuff you packed, I got to assume you had some sort of, um, like, emergency system, like, if things went down, you broke your leg and you didn't have cell service. Did you have any backup means of communication or anything like that? Yes. So I had a fully charged phone um, and a battery pack for my phone. And then I had a Garmin InReach Mini so that my husband could track me and make sure I was still alive. um, And I could send an SOS if I needed to. Although I think it would feel really weird sending 
and SOS in the middle of Massachusetts. Yeah. I probably would have just like crawled out to a road <laughs> and tried to <laughs> tried to wave someone down. But I have that just in case. I feel like dialing <laughs> dialing nine one one in that situation would be like more <laughs> respectable. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like, right. Like if you right. break your leg in the Alps, <laughs> then you hit the button, right? But if you break yeah. your leg in like Worcester or wherever the where, I forget the name of those towns, but you don't need to. <laughs> but that's cool. Yeah, yeah no, I, it, it was a smart move because some parts of that trail is kind of kind of out there. It's you, it, surprising that you're in Massachusetts in some por- portions of it. You don't really feel like you're in suburbia for the most part. For the most part, yeah. I mean, I think most of the trail you have cell service too. Um, there's some parts that you don't, but for the most part, I had cell service. Um, and then I just packed like I had two band aids, <laughs> um, and I had an emergency blanket just in case I had to stop because I knew it was going to be raining, and I was a little worried about how hypothermia. So, the real question um, is, did you have any duct tape in your bag? I did not. <laughs> No duct rookie, tape. <laughs> rookie, rookie mistake. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh man, I've put I've put duct tape on my feet, like, and then put my sock back on in some situations. But yeah, you're you're more seasoned than me. You know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't bring anything for my feet. I'm when it comes what? to the long stuff. Yeah, when it comes to the long stuff, I'm just my feet are gonna do whatever they want to do. And they have this theory that taking your socks and shoes off just makes it worse like just let your feet do what they want to do and deal with it at the end yeah i think i buy that i i've like the mid-state i didn't change my shoes at all i didn't take them i didn't take my Mm-mm. shoes off that whole race um and i packed extra shoes like road shoes because of all the road now correct me if i'm wrong but with the full trail i hit my microphone with the full trail version of the mid-state do you still have to do a crap load of road running near the end yeah there's still um i think there's 18 miles total of road on the Mid-State Trail, and a lot of that is in the second half. If it wasn't raining and there wasn't a ton of leaves and branches and stuff on the ground, I probably would have just worn road shoes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a hard thing about it, like self-supported, so you'd have to carry the shoes if you really wanted them. And you don't really yeah, want to carry a couple Yeah, I was not doing that. <laughs> yeah. But like that first half, like – the Crow Hill area, the uh, Wachusett area, that stuff is can get kind of kind of brutal. I, like road shoes wouldn't be great there. So it having... wouldn't. But if it, I mean, at the same time, I started at night, and so I I wasn't really moving that fast, anyways. So I I would have been fine with the road shoes, but at the end, with it being so wet, like in Douglas and other places, I think the road shoes I would have been slipping and sliding everywhere. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Hey, everybody that's just joining the chat now, if you've got any questions for Samantha about running uh, close to 100 miles unsupported, feel free to uh, chat it up and we'll get to those a little bit later. I just saw a little bit of spike of people come in, so we definitely want to uh, say hi to y'all and uh, make sure you uh, see some in the chat. And tell us where you're from, by the way. That's always a good conversation starter. Okay, so I've got some notes here. Go ahead. What do you got? I thought you were asking me where I was from. <laughs> That's in, guess what? That's the first thing in my notes. It's like a little history okay. of you. So tell, <laughs> tell us where you're from and, uh, and then follow that up with uh, what got you into this crazy sport. So start with where you're from and then we'll go from there. So <laughs> I'm from Bluebird, Massachusetts. Um, 
I started running in my mid twenties. Um, it was kind of, I had like a lot of stuff going on. Um, I was getting married. I was dealing with some mental health issues, and it was just my life was kind of a hot mess. And I started running as a New Year's resolution, um, and I just loved it right from the beginning. I mean, I hated it at the same time, but I love that it was something that I was doing that was just for me. Um, and it, I could set little goals with it and, um, it just all of a sudden within a couple of years became a huge part of my life. I feel like that's a, a common, like not to say you're not unique, but I feel like there's like a connection to like a little bit of mental thing, like a little instability with people who run crazy distances because I, you know, for me too, it's like a meditate. It's a, it's like meditating. Mm-hmm. I, it's, you know, it's medicinal. You feel like it, like it brings me down a little bit, connects me. I'm not like thinking of all the other millions of obligations I have in my head. So I can totally relate to that. Um, and so could you tell us how you got to the, what, what sparked the idea of the mid state? Was this like an A goal or is, is this like a B plan to something that could have happened this year? You know, this year sucks. So so I, for a long time, I've always wanted to do some type of long, unsupported uh, FKT type thing. And I had it in my head that like doing a long FKT was like, oh, that's when I'm retired from racing and need something else to do. Um, and then COVID happened and I was supposed to be running the Superior 100 and around like April, May, I decided that even if Superior didn't get canceled, I wasn't going to fly out to run it. And when COVID first started happening, all my local trails were swamped with people. And so I started running on the Mid-State Trail to escape all the people. And after a few long runs on the Mid-State Trail, I was like, well, maybe this is what I'm doing instead of Superior. Um, and I, that, I just kind of decided to do that. Um, and my original plan was to do it in August, but I had a really bad experience doing the Robert Frost trail at the end of July, beginning of August. And was like, I'm not doing mid state in this super hot weather. So I pushed it to October. Yeah, that was definitely a smart move because I think, well, <laughs> there's no water. <laughs> yeah. That's true. But well, you know, the other part of it is the weather you got in my mind, I was out with my kids that day when you were out running and it was like cold and 40 and raining. And I was like, Oh man, I feel bad. She's running. (laughs) She's running right now. But you told me something different. You actually prefer that, right? Are you talking about the weather on Friday? Yeah. Yeah. During your run. Well, so when I started Thursday night, that entire night was so hot and humid. I was miserable. It was so hot. Oh um, yeah, that was a that was a weird night. It was like unseasonably warm, right? Like throughout yeah. the, most of the night. And then was, the next day it, it got kind so, of kind of crazy with the it rain was so and bad. cold. Yeah, I, I texted my husband after the sun came up at like seven in the morning just to let him know how the night went and everything and I said to him, like, I cannot wait for it to start raining because I'm so hot. And sure enough, within like a couple seconds, it started raining. <laughs> now, so, did your it, did your excitement for the rain wear off at any point or did you pretty much enjoy it until the end of the run? 
Uh, it was right after four chimneys at like, I think it was like mile 65 uh, when I was like, all right, I'm getting kind of cold. And I finally had to put on the rain jacket and tuck my hands into the sleeves and <laughs> bundle up. Um, that was about, about then I got a little old. And then the last two hours I was freezing. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we got here. I get some notes. We're just going to, I'm going to be very unprofessional and look down at my notes because I, I'm not good at this yet. Uh, okay. okay. We didn't cover what you do with for a living when, when we introduced you. What, what is your day job? Uh, so I'm a nanny. Um, and right before I started at 8 p.m. on Thursday night, I was nannying for about 10 and a half hours. <laughs> oh, yikes. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a good way to get into like the pancake for a minute. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to sit down and eat my my pre race bagel of um, is I, ha I always have a bagel with almond butter before I run, and so I'm sitting there eating this bagel, and both of the kids are crying because they want peanut butter, and it's like five thirty, <laughs> and I'm like, you guys don't understand, I'm trying to eat because I'm gonna run ninety miles, and they're both falling apart, crying on the ground. And then their parents come home and I'm like, sorry, I was just trying to eat. <laughs> so they, definitely an interesting day before. <laughs> did, does that, does that family know like the crazy sports that you're into? The, the, the hobby you have. They do. And actually my first week on the job, uh, last September was the week of I am tough 100 and I just remember they were so nervous. They they were like, are you sure you're going to be able to come to work on Monday? And like they were texting me all weekend, like, are you okay? Did you survive? And then I came to work and they were like, wow, I can't believe you're moving right now. <laughs> so, so they understand. <laughs> so uh, the stats of this run of the Mid-State Trail, I've only done the race where they tack on a little bit more at the end. That does it actually mm -hmm. start at windblown? Is that the actual start of the Midstate Trail, or is that further up? That's further up. Um, it actually starts right on the border of New Hampshire. So okay. windblown is probably ten miles from the actual start of the trail. Okay, and so you start there, and you go to a little past Douglas, right? A little past Douglas State Park. It's in Douglas. That's it's the right, end? It's the in Douglas. Yeah, okay. actually, so it's, the, it's kind of funny. The uh, Mid-State Massive course goes right to the end of the trail, pretty much. But you you just miss the um, trail marker for the end. It's only like a tenth of a mile off of the, the Mid-State Massive course. Well, why don't they let you go to the end? That would be cool. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's so, it's so weird because during the course, you... I think you go by the um, marker at the beginning. Yeah, probably. Yeah, you do. I remember, I vaguely remember yeah. seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. So the trail is, your run was uh, 98, was it 98 miles? Just shy of 100? No, it's 92. 92. Okay, so it's 92 miles. And yeah. do you know the, ele the elevation gain you got over that? Just curious. I think it's like, it's like 11,000. Or like eleven five. Okay, so a solid day's work, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I oh, mean, we to didn't... me, to me, it's kind of flat, but it didn't feel flat when I was running it the other day. 
<laughs> we didn't even we didn't even talk about your uh, finish time. So it was uh, it was ninety two miles in a little over eleven thousand feet of elevation gain in twenty two hours in five minutes, right? Yeah. Now to put that into context, my uh, you know pasty white uh, doughy middle self uh, got, managed to <laughs> run this with sixteen age stations, a crew, a pacer in twenty six hours and forty seven minutes. So you you beat me by quite a bit with no help at all. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. That's, that's really awesome stuff. Um, so we got, we got a couple of questions. Let's, uh, bring some, let's just bring up everybody, huh? Uh, finally catch, able to catch a live stream. Greetings from Portugal. Cool. One thirty AM there. Uh, Matt Legrand, yum. Love that stuff. He was probably talking about one of the contents of food you planned you uh martin hj uh hi guys hello welcome hey your husband's joining us in the chat oh. jeff leblanc <laughs> he's uh, like literally downstairs <laughs> i'm a trail i'm a trail runner from norway my legs get kind of tired after 20 to 35 uh 20 to 25 to 30 kilometers on the trail and it gets really tiresome to continue running after this point when do you when do you 100 miles get tired uh oh to your legs <laughs> that's kind of a, a roundabout question but <laughs> would you say there is a, a a point at which you we could wrap this into another question i have because we all have low points right so when mm -hmm. was your when was your low point during this journey i got to assume before you answer my guess it was in the middle of the night because that's when it happens for me but you you go ahead and tell us when when was like the low point you had to have had some bit or was it just all awesome? I have to say, I felt really good throughout the night. Um, I was a little upset that I was slower than I wanted to be at night. Um, I really wanted to get to the 46 mile point, the halfway marker before or like around the 11 hour mark. Um, Cause I was hoping for a sub 22 hour finish. Um, but I, I just kind of told myself like you're running on really hard trails at night and trying to follow the smallest yellow painted triangles that are so inconsistent. Um, and so I, I, I tried to not be too hard on myself. So I didn't really hit a low point during the night. Um, I hit some lows during the day. Uh, but with that said, as far as my legs feeling tired, my legs were tired and sore from the beginning. <laughs> really? <laughs> and it's, 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 yeah. And it was all from having that heavy pack. It made like oh. a 10 pounds on my back made such a difference. Now leading up to this, I know you had planned it for a while. Did you do any um, training with a heavier pack or did you just kind of say it is what it is and you'll see what happens on, on the day? I did do one 30 mile run with a full pack on the mid sea trail. Um, I kind of wish I did some more or at least not, not even like running with a heavy pack, but I have a weight vest. I should have done like a little bit more strength training with the weight vest. Um, because wearing even just, it was between nine and 10 pounds. Um, it, it hurts so many different muscles in your legs that you don't anticipate hurting like my knees hurt early on my sciatic i have sciatic issues that hurt like immediately um I, my muscles in my inner thighs hurt like right at the beginning 
Um, and I, I think it was just like all from having that heavy pack on. So I should have done a little bit more weight training before. Now, in terms of uh, training leading up to this, did you did you have a structure or is it like, are you the type that just says this week, I'm going to try to get 50 miles, 60 miles with X amount of vert? Or do you like say Monday, 10 miles, Tuesday, five miles. And then like, are you that structured or how loosely do you, do you train? I'm probably overly structured. (laughs) (laughs) I plan out my training like months in advance. Like I, I already have a training plan from next beginning of January to next May, like just like a rough draft of like what I want to do next. I kind of plan way in advance. (laughs) Uh, It just, I like creating spreadsheets and it just gives me something to focus on. But uh, one thing I did do is I I overtrained a little bit at the beginning of the year because I did this whole run streak thing and I was trying to get um, a ton of vert because I was planning on doing the Superior 100 and maybe some long FKT things in the white um, before the pandemic started. Um, and so I was really focusing on that and like maybe overtraining a little bit. And so when it came time to focus on mid-state training, I tailored back everything I was doing to focus more on um, the mid-state trail, like faster, more runnable trail running. I took the mid-state trail averages out to about 120 feet of gain per mile so i would take my total mileage and times it by 120 so it was, it was very course specific to what i was trading for which i wow. think helped me a lot that's yeah. uh re- that's really intense <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if everybody who gets fkts like has that sort of uh structuring because I don't know how many how many miles I'm gonna run next week. To be honest with you, <laughs> uh, yeah. but that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's a good way yeah. to live. I, you know, if you if you have it planned ahead of time, then you're uh, you're gonna be good. So I actually looked up was was the previous FKT holder? No, that so she's supported uh, Amy Rizeki, uh yeah. RD from Vermont 100. Uh, so she yeah, did it. Amazing. In, she did it almost in 24 hours, like 23 hours and 57 minutes. But she was supported, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. that's, that's awesome. It's really impressive. I feel like your, I feel like your FKT is going to stand for a while because it's a pretty tough, I feel like it's going to be pretty tough to beat. Um, even like, I don't, did anyone even at the race do it that fast? I'm um, the men did. Yeah. There was, of course. The, and one of the, the second place male at Mid-State Massive actually is the holder of the unsupported um, Mid-State Trail FKT. So he just ran that FKT back in April, I think, and then ran Mid-State Massive and shaved like an hour off of his time with the added mileage at the race. So in some way, that almost makes me (laughs) want to run Mid-State Massive and see if with aid stations and stuff, if I could run it a bit faster. I don't know. It might slow you down. You might get too uh, talkative with the aid station crew (laughs) or like find that there's some great burritos along the way and... You know, that could be oh, the day. I don't know about that one. <laughs> well, that's me. I'm talking about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's take a couple more uh, questions. We've got your husband asking about headlamps and GPS, but we also have uh, another Mad Mad Sniffus. I'm not. I can't pronounce it. But he says, uh, <laughs> or he or she. I don't know. Uh, what is your go-to fitness watch, Samantha? 
And we'll we'll um, tell, we'll we'll make that a double edged question connecting to Jeff's question. Uh, what watch did you wear during this run? I already know the answer because we talked at length about this, but uh, tell us what you wore and how it worked out. So thanks to your advice, um, I got a Garmin Phoenix 6X, um, and it has really changed my world when it comes to following trails like the Midday Trail. Um, it yeah, has for sure. full full maps. I mean, the GPS, life, the battery life on it is just amazing. It, I used full navigation, um, full GPS mode the entire time and still had like 16% battery life afterwards. So. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The maps were a game yeah. changer uh, even for the race, because like you said, the trail markers on that cha- that, that trail are just not that easy to follow because some of them are probably 150 years old and like mm-hmm. faded yellow and like grown into the tree that they're attached to. So yeah. having, having the map uh, on the na- the course on there is just amazing. Buzzes tells you where to go, especially when you're delusional in the middle of the night really helps. Right. Um, so somebody else says, uh, Eeps says, how do you keep focused during so many hours? Do you listen to music? Question mark. Um, I did listen to a little bit of music. Um, I, I was planning on listening to music the whole time. And during the night section, I put on music and the music actually started to make me hear things that didn't actually exist. <laughs> and so it started, to, <laughs> it started to scare me a little bit. And it was using a lot of my phone battery life. And I, I had a b- battery pack, but I wasn't sure. I could listen to music the whole time and charge my phone and still have a phone at the end. So I turned it off and I, I really like night running anyway. So I was fine running in the night without the music. And then about like 10 AM the next day, I just blasted music right from my phone. Cause there's oh, cool. no one on the trail because yeah. it was raining. So I could just blast music from my phone. So I yeah, did listen to music, but there's two reasons why no one's on the trail. A no one goes on that trail. No, <laughs> no. And then B, it's raining. So even less people will be on the yeah. trail. <laughs> yeah. Right. That, yeah. You know, like I have a weird thing about music myself where if I have earbuds in and they, they don't have like, I can't hear anything around me like at night, I get a little bit creeped out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you don't know if something's coming up behind you or, you know. So did, did yeah, you feel. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like that at all. You must have, <laughs> I mean, you must have really high confidence because on your Instagram, I see that you run at the you run at night or super early in the morning before the sun comes up all the time. So you mm-hmm. must feel pretty secure in yourself that you're, you're able to run through the night alone and unsupported. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing it a lot. I've always liked running in the dark. The only thing that was different is when I run in the dark during the week, I run at four in the morning, four thirty in the morning. There's no one on the trails. This time I was running at 8 PM. And so as soon as I started running, I got a little skeezed out thinking that I was going to bump into another human. Like I never worry about animals, but I was really worried about like, especially because the trail goes so close to people's houses. You are running down these like really quiet roads. And so I was stressing out a little bit about just, I, I also listen to way too much true crime. <laughs> so <laughs> I just was like, I'm, so I'm going to bump into someone or I'm going to be riding on this road and a car is going to pull over and snatch me. 
So I just wanted it to be like one, two in the morning. And then I knew that as soon as I hit that time, I would feel relief. And I did. So <laughs> on that topic though, did, does your husband worry about you at all? Like for this type of event or was he like just rooting for you the whole time? I don't think so. I mean, it, I do think it must have been a little weird to drop me off on a Thursday night, go back home, go to bed, go to work the next day, and then yeah. come pick me up. But I do similar stuff like this all the time. Uh, so he doesn't seem to be too worried about it. <laughs> yeah. So my he's, wife's been, my, wa- <laughs> my wife's now running every morning at like four in the morning with her friend. And I, you know, Mm -hmm. she gets out of bed and it's dark out and I'm still sleeping and she leaves and I'm like, ah, it's a little weird. So I guess I, yeah, I would, I would be, I don't know. You do it all the time. So I guess it makes sense. Yeah. And you had the tracker. Like I said, it's different. It's different at 4 a.m. versus 8 p.m. Yeah. True. So. Might be like a pack of hoodlums out there. You never know. It's my old man. Yeah. I did bring, I did bring a little alarm with me. I have this, um, it's like a little tiny, I think they call it sports alarm and you can get it on Amazon and it has a pin. And if you pull the pin out, it makes the most insanely loud noise. Um, and I have that in case there's a human, I don't know if that would really do anything, but also for coyotes, because I usually run with my dog who's off leash. Um, and so in the dark, if there's a coyote, I've had to use it once where there was a coyote just standing there watching us for a long time. Mm, and I was, I was like screaming, like, get out, get away. And he wasn't. <laughs> and I just pulled that pin out and he disappeared. So I so did like carry a, that just in case. It's like an audible grenade, basically. That's what you're saying. Pretty much. It's <laughs> the worst noise in the entire world. <laughs> so uh, Lily, the dog, is she... Is she, is she super jealous about your adventure? She must be pretty upset right now. Yeah, she's laying next to me right now because she never leaves my side. But um, <laughs> she she has been pretty unhappy with me this this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> she, her, and Jeff. So that the thing that was kind of hard with the Midstate Trail too is it doesn't start at Trailhead. You have to hike into the start. It's like a it's like a, from the Watatic parking lot, it's like a mile and a half to the start of the trail. And then in Douglas State Park, it's like a mile and a half to hike out. And so Jeff and, and Lily hiked me into the start. And Lily was like, yes, it's dark out. Mom's in running gear. Let's go. And then when Jeff <laughs> turned around to walk her out, she was she was so upset. And so that actually was like kind of one of the hardest parts because I've run every inch of that trail with Lily. She even has the Midstate Trail patch for like running every section of it. And so like seeing her upset about not running with me. And of course, like every time I turned a corner, I'm like, oh, there's that section of the trail where Lily rolled on top of a dead snake or like, like there's always <laughs> like little things that reminded me of her. And I felt so guilty, like leaving her behind. Um, oh. Poor Lily. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And she's so mad at me. Like today we went for a walk and she was, she was not happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we got another question from Martin HJ. And how long did you train before you could finish your first ultra? 50K or, or more. I don't know what your first ultra was. 
what was it? And then how did you train for it? <laughs> um, my first ultra was a Tark Fowl's Winter Ultra. Um, yeah, that was mine I too. Trained... Was it? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Was it the 32 <laughs> or 40? The 32. Yeah, I, that was I almost too. dropped. I, I emailed your husband to drop, and then I was like, nope, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I started training for that. I It's kind of weird because within like a six-month period, I ran my first half marathon, my first marathon, and then my first ultra. So I trained for it for six months, but I had been running like off and on a couple years before that. How did that, did that race, uh, like devastate you or did it set the tone for like your future in running? Oh, it definitely set the tone. It like yeah. went really well, really well for me. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it was, I mean, it was everything that I love about trails, like super rocky and technical and hilly and yeah, it was, it was perfect. <laughs> so, uh, the Midstate Trail, now that you're finished, would you call this like your, your proudest accomplishment so far? Or do you have something else that you you kind of hold in a higher regard for your, your own personal goals? Um, that's, that's a good question. Because I've always considered my third place finish at the Grindstone 100, which was my first 100 miler, like my biggest accomplishment. But... Um, I don't know. I think this might be, this might be it <laughs> just cause it was something that I did completely like on my own with no help. And yeah, yeah I think it's, I think it's so, it. <laughs> so it's so badass. Like the fact that you just kind of <laughs> dropped and then ran from New Hampshire to Connecticut <laughs> basically with the contents of your backpack is just so, so awesome. Yeah. C congratulations. It's so cool. Thank you. Um, so I want to talk about, uh, for water, what filter did you use? Like, like what particular brand? So, um, same with the spreadsheets and stuff. I have a, a touch of OCD. And so I've been training with, uh, uh, Solomon packs all, all of this year. I had a smaller pack and now, and then when I realized I was doing mid state unsupported, I got a 12 liter pack. Um, and so of course I had to get the Solomon filter soft flasks to match the pack um because before that i was using the bee free filters which i, I love the bee free bottles but they just didn't match the pack so i had to get the <laughs> <solid> one <laughs> and so i had two of those that's what i used for water oh so it was the uh solomon like xtr or whatever like the cap that screws into the water bottle is the filter yeah yeah okay yeah cool yeah i, I use the uh the bee free myself but I want mm -hmm. the ones, the Solomon ones. The question is, do they still have that like crazy high flow rate where it's like you can drink out of them right after scooping up water? Yeah, they do. Oh. The only thing I, the, the thing that's better about the bee free ones, A, the bee free ones are not as expensive, but also the bee free ones you can squeeze into another bottle. The Solomon ones you can't. So um. with the, so with the bee free ones, you can squeeze it into another water bottle and then put tailwind or something else in there. So with the Solomon ones, you kind of just have to drink the water. Gotcha. So what did you do since you couldn't use like powder or whatever? Did you have electrolytes or did you just rely on, on goose for that? I uh, just goose. Um, I, the 
trail butter had some salt and stuff in it. And then I had a couple of like the Huma plus gels that has electrolytes. Um, that was pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like super hot, but it's still something to consider, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Eep says, wow. Con- congrats. Was he, was the course easy to follow? I'll answer that for you. Hell no. <laughs> that's a good, uh, that's a good start to a conversation though. Did you get lost at all? Did you take a wrong turn at any point? I did not. Um, I had run the entire trail twice and I ran cause originally my plan was to start Friday morning. So I already knew what sections I was going to be running in the dark. So I ran the whole trail twice, like in sections, because I started training for this back in like end of April. And so I ran the whole trail in sections twice. And then the the parts that I was going to be doing at night, I ran a third time. And then like three days before I was going to run, I switched to doing it Thursday night. So that kind of completely changed uh, where I was going to be running in the dark. But I knew that those first, 30 miles were a little bit easier to follow than the rest of the trail, or at least in my brain it was, it really wasn't, (laughs) 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 but it was because I had run it. I kind of knew like which way to go. Um, and then with the watch at the roads, like I knew which way to go. Um, and my rule of thumb was kind of like, if I second guessed at all, if I was on the right, if I was on the trail, then I would stop and walk. And so I, I never got off course to the point where my watch beat. So I would go oh, wow, slightly off course. Yeah, pretty proud of myself for that. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I would get to a point where I'd be like, I don't think I'm on a trail anymore and just kind of reverse a little bit and look for a triangle. But that was so, only at night. During the day, it was super easy. So you had to do that like uh, tunnel, right, near the dam? There was like a tunnel that you go under? near like- The cow tunnel. Yeah, we we didn't get to do that during the during the uh, no. the race, but I saw a lot of pictures Which, about that. Don't be too upset about that because the there's a reroute right after that um, that is the worst running of the entire trail. It's almost like they they just decided to reroute but didn't really feel like clearing it, so they just <laughs> put up like a bunch of tiny little yellow painted triangles. And then it just doesn't look like a trail for like those two miles. And it's super, <laughs> super windy. And I, because I thought I was going to be running that in dark, I did that section like three or four times. It's Oof. awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a comment from Jeff LeBlanc saying trophy husband. So congrats to him for being the trophy. <laughs> uh, okay. So, we talked about your watch. We talked about your injury mini. Uh, did you pack like extra layers or anything or did you just kind of rely on a rain jacket and that was about it? So I had the um, outdoor research helium jacket, which is super, super warm. So I, I kind of was going to wait till last minute to put that on. Um, and then I did pack an extra long sleeve, an extra pair of gloves, and a couple hand warmers, nice. but I didn't use, I didn't change my layers because when it got to the point where I was going to put my rain jacket on, it was still pretty muggy out. So I just took off my wet shirt and just put the rain jacket over my sports bra. And then by the time that I got really, really cold, 
I was so worried about that hike out from the end of the trail that I, and I, it was downpouring at the end too, that I was like, I don't want to change into my dry layers until I finished because I knew <laughs> that just that 1.5 miles was going to be miserable. So I just suffered being cold and wet until I got to the end. And then, <laughs> and then Jeff actually ended up showing up. So I didn't change or anything. I just <laughs> relied on him to get me out <laughs> to the car. <laughs> That's awesome. But I did have it if I needed it. <laughs> Now, is there one thing you wish you had that you didn't pack? And on top of that, is there one thing that you had that you didn't need? I pretty much used everything I packed, except I had like some ibuprofen I didn't use. Um, and I brought an extra pair of contacts in case a contact <laughs> fell out. But pretty much everything in my pack got used. Um, and I don't think there was really anything that I was missing. I do wish that I either had a better, brighter headlamp or I just brought like a ton of spare batteries so I could just put my headlamp on the brightest mode, even if it only lasted a few hours, because I, if I had a brighter light throughout the, that single track, like the first 35 miles are all single track then I think I could have moved a little bit faster. Yeah. What did you have for headlamp? So I had um, a petrol core headlamp and then I had an ultra spiral waist lamp. Okay. That's pretty solid. That's pretty bright. Should, should have illuminated yeah, the trail. Yeah, it's, it's not too – and if I, I did that both for my 100 milers and with the two lights, if you put them both on like a medium setting, then they last the entire night. So I ran in the dark for 11 hours and they both lasted the entire time. So I wow. had batteries in case I ran into the next night. Wow. That's good. Um, so on top of that, uh, you said you could have moved a little quicker in the first half. You think you could have, if you could have seen a little bit better. Um, are you happy with your time? It's <laughs> a hard question. Uh I am. Um, my A goal was to be Cody Cutler's unsupported mail time, which was 2140. And when I, when I finished the night part, I was like, there's no way I can make up all of that. Like I finished the first 46 miles in like just under 12 hours. So I knew that like to do the second half in under 10 hours would have been a lot more running than I knew I was capable yeah. of at that point. Um, so, I mean, I still did like a pretty significant like negative split, um, which is a little bit easy because there's all the road and stuff. But um, I think for having worked all week, done a, a 10 hour work day, starting at Thursday night at eight, running through the humidity and then having the rain the next day. <laughs> like I, I really kind of set myself up for disaster. I mean, as I was putting my socks on in the car ride to the Latatic parking lot, I realized I had a hole in the bottom of my sock. Like really, I just like everything <laughs> that was working against me. So with that said, 
I'm pretty proud of that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, because I, I know a lot of people like you hear, you know, somebody like uh, Courtney DeWalter or something. She'll at the end of her race, she'll be like, oh, I could have done that better, even though she freaking won. It's like, <laughs> I think, you know, people yeah. people get so stuck in their minds about a goals, like you said, and like they don't hit them and then they just get upset about it. But it's awesome that you can be proud because it's an amazing accomplishment. Um, you should be proud. Yeah. I mean, it was, I had an A goal, a B goal, and a C goal. And that C goal was to just finish. And doing yeah. something like this, um, like I've never done anything like this before. And I've done a couple of other long unsupported things this year. And both of the, the things that I have done, I really got into a super negative mental headspace during those. And so I, I wasn't sure like if I was even going to finish or if I was going to be miserable the whole time. And it went a lot better than I thought it was going to go. And I was just really focused and really just happy to be on this trail that I've spent so many months on. And um, so the whole experience just, it, it didn't really matter to me what time I finished in. I just wanted to finish happy and be happy the whole time. And I accomplished that. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Okay. What about uh, strength training? How often and what exercises do you focus on the most? So I love strength training. I have a squat rack in the middle of my house. Um, Unfortunately, all year I've been dealing with sciatic issues. So I haven't done any strength training in probably since the beginning of the year. Um, so unfortunately, I didn't do any strength training. I think it would have helped a lot with the vest. Um, I've been doing a lot of yoga. <laughs> I think yeah. that's about it, though. That's good. Yeah, no, I've so oddly enough, I've um, the reason why I had to drop out of the, the mid-state race this year was because I have similar like a sciatic nerve mm-hmm. it's, it's the sacral iliac joint you know that little area got inflamed or whatever and it's actually yeah. like it sucks to run like that so how do you run mm-hmm. does does your running affect your sciatic situation or is it like you can manage it it's it's so weird and it's affected me before but it seems to only hurt while i'm training and then during races it doesn't hurt so bad so like during mid-state it hurt the first like 20 miles and then just disappeared and it never gets to the point where it's like debilitating pain it's just like annoying little pinch um and sometimes it won't hurt me when i'm running it'll hurt me after i run or if i go for a long run and then drive home the drive home is really uncomfortable um if i do more like running uphill or hiking uphill that's when it bugs me the most um I don't know. It, it's just, so, it's so weird. Like it was bugging me right at the beginning and I was like, oh, I hope this doesn't get any worse or last the whole time. And then all of a sudden it was gone. So <laughs> I don't know if it's just like everything else hurt worse that I forgot about it. But That's an interesting theory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that could have been it too, but yeah, that's something that during this off season, that's something I got to fix. What's your, uh, what's recovery? Like does your sciatic, pain come back in full force now that you're you just ran 100 miles and now your you know body is in shock are you in pain now or did it kind of go away even after the fact 
Um, it's so off and on. Like yeah. I feel like I, the rest of my body hurts really bad that I don't notice it as much. But then we just took the dog for a walk. And when we were walking, my knees felt better. My feet felt better. And then I felt the sciatic pain. So, <laughs> so, so I don't know. But it's within the last like three years, it kind of comes and goes. Like I'll have months where I have zero pain and then all of a sudden it's back. So, yeah. But it comes back when I do a lot of strength training. It's just, uh, it's amazing. First of all, like what the human body can do, but like mm-hmm. how much, just like so much stress and strain throughout that kind of effort. It's unbelievable that you're able to just like get up and live life the next day. <laughs> I know exactly. And you, it's, yeah, it, it do, was so, it's, it's so weird. Like I, I was on the spot, like side of the trail just rubbing tiger bomb on my knees and my inner thighs like thinking that like oh man i don't know if i'm gonna finish this hurt and then all of a sudden i was running again totally fine <laughs> do you ever <laughs> use um like anti-inflammatories or ibuprofen or anything like that or do you lay off that stuff i lay off that stuff um when i'm training and when i'm racing but um like after a big race like at what I think on the drive home from mid-state, I was popping ibuprofen <laughs> so I could get, so I could sleep that night. The only time that I've taken ibuprofen during a race was during I Am Tough 100 when I got injured right at the beginning of it. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you, do you focus on any sort of like um, you know diet or special foods after something like this to try to like kickstart the old? recovery system or are you just like life as usual and have a beer <laughs> um it depends if i'm doing like a hard training run um or like some of the unsupported fkts that i've done this year that have been more like in preparation for this then i'll try to celebrate with the beer and some cookies but also get right back to eating healthy the next day um with this though I haven't taken a break from running or meal prep or eating healthy or anything like that all year. So I, I'm not focusing on anything (laughs) like that. Like I've had an entire container of cookies. I have a beer next to me now. I have stuff to make quesadillas every day this week and just all these foods that I've kind of been avoiding pretty much the whole year so um let's get back to gear what kind of shoes did you wear i'm just curious <laughs> so um so i wore lots of sportiva helios sr <laughs> which i wore <laughs> i wore for both of my other 100 mile races which you don't really see people wearing those for 100 mile races very often. Yeah, those are like the super minimal, like a uh, mesh, right? Like they're brief, like you can wade through a river and they just kind of leak out because there's nothing to them, really. Yeah, they drain very nicely. Um, I tend to like the more lightweight shoes, but the thing with the Las Sportivas is they're terrible. These, the Helios in particular, especially the SRs, they're terrible on roads. Um, <laughs> I actually think because they are so sticky, they kind of slow you down on the road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but okay. I, they, I, they're just my go-to shoe for everything. I they they're retired, and I have like two more boxes of them in a closet somewhere. 
So I guess you'll be wearing them for the next uh, the nef- next race and FKT attempt, right? Yeah. <laughs> Unless you sell them on eBay and change your decision. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so here's the big the big question of the stream. Um, what's next? Do you have anything planned for you know 2021? Do you have goals or uh, another FKT you've got your eye on? So. For the spring, I'm definitely going to do some other long trail FKT. Um, I kind of have my eye on another Massachusetts trail. Um, there's a couple of them. I won't say which one that I really want to do just yet. Um, but yeah, I really, really like that experience. So I'll do that again. And then the Superior 100, I was supposed to run. I have guaranteed, it's a lottery, but I have guaranteed entry into 2021 because it got canceled. So as long as things get better (laughs) with the COVID situation, I'll probably run Superior 100 next fall. If not, then I'll do some other FKT. Cool. Yeah. Now these uh, FKTs, you don't have to tell me what it is, but would you say it's a it's similar to the mid state in that it's long distance or are you looking at like shorter, faster, um, attempts? No, I, it's definitely long. <laughs> All the other shorter stuff has not been super fun for me this year. I, I tend to do better with the longer stuff. So I'm just going to stick with that. Yeah. I mean, running fast is hard. <laughs> it is. It's not, I mean, it's not fun. <laughs> I look at, uh, I look at the skyline, uh, FKTs like Ben Thompson's and, and uh, Pat Karen. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what And how, how I just, it's so fast for that kind of terrain. I, I would kill myself in like two seconds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a different mindset too. Like I think with the shorter FKTs, I get so focused on like, well, if I finish by three o'clock, I'm home by four and then I can do this. And with, with the mid-state trails, like I didn't have to think about anything. It was just like, this is what I'm doing for a day, maybe two days. Or I, I really got into just kind of like the state of mind of just being out there and only focusing on that. So fair enough. It's definitely a lot different. <laughs> Well, that was uh, pretty awesome. Thank you for sharing. Uh, we're coming up on an hour right now. Typically, I hold these to around an hour. Uh, can you tell, if you want to, can you tell everybody uh, where they can find you on the internet? Like, uh, do you have a blog? Do you have a, do even, do people still blog? Am I just dating myself by saying blog? I was actually just going to start a blog because I haven't run, uh, I haven't written a race report in forever. So I was going to write up something about the mid-state trail and go into a little bit more detail. Um, so that might be coming. Um, cool. But I do have an Instagram at always adventuring with Lily, who is my dog. Um, so you can follow me on there. It's, it's public. Awesome. Uh, I think that's all I got for you, unless we've got some more from the chat. Uh, thanks for sharing your experience, Samantha. Nice to listen to you guys. Uh, good luck on the next race. Keep running and keep smiling. Martin H.A., that's a nice comment. Thank you very much. Um, thank you. Thanks for joining us, Samantha. Thanks for taking time out of your busy training life to uh, talk to us for an hour on the internet. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, this has been awesome. Uh, thank you so much and have a great evening. 
Thank you. You too. All right. And that wraps up my conversation with Samantha LeBlanc talking about the Mid-State Massive FKT. I want to congratulate Samantha and thank her for spending the time to talk about it on YouTube with me. And yeah, that wraps up this episode. And I will talk to you or see you. Well, I won't see you because I'm not on YouTube or we're on the podcast now. So I will talk to you in the next one.